Thanks for joining us today for the Ramp Church podcast. We pray that you will be encouraged and empowered by this week's message and you would encounter God wherever you're listening from. If you'd like to know more about Ramp Church Manchester or would like to partner with us in giving, visit us over on our website ramp.church/mcr or find us on social media. Now, let's go into this week's message. some of you maybe are meeting for the first time and I'm not going to spoil his story because I think he's going to share um, a bit of his story Um, but that is uh, pastors Micah and Delana Wood who have yeah come on that's that is yeah that's a good time for that that's a good time for that who have for years been the lead pastors of of the first ramp church location in Hamilton Alabama And they are in a season where God is speaking incredible, costly, radical things to them. And as part of that journey, they're going to spend a season here in Manchester where they're um, just serving alongside of all of us, but learning also about what God's doing uh, through this community and what God's doing through you guys and the lessons that we've learned. And then just preparing, centering themselves on the word of God to be sent into the next season that, that God has for their life. So they, they just relocated their family of six on Thursday. So they just arrived and, and be here for a year or two, depending on the way God leads. But again, I don't want to spoil their story. But pers- personal friends of Stacy and I, we've, we've known them for nearly two decades now. And um, the list is long in, in the things that, that we've seen God do together. Um, but also that we've just had the privilege of, of being a part of starting or, or, or helping steward. And, and it's just, it's amazing. So I'm so excited for the months to come, Ramp Church, as you get to receive um, from the gift of God um, that is Micah and Delana and their amazing kiddos. So Micah, come on up, my man. Would you help me welcome Micah Wood? If you see me or Delana hugging Pastors Joe and Stacy quite often, it's because we've not had that opportunity about seven years. So we're just, if you're like, they're a very hugging kind of people. Ruben, it's so good to see you. Um, lot of, a lot, we're seeing a lot of familiar faces here, a lot of new faces, and thank you. Your hospitality has really warmed our hearts already. And I uh, just want to thank you so much for embracing us, embracing our children already. Um, embracing just the, the, the family of God that is being planted here in this city. It's such a joy to be a part. And so I want to jump right into the story to honor everyone's time here. And I believe, though, as I'm sharing this morning, it's not just sharing uh, part of my story or part of Delena's story or our children's story. It's really, I believe, sharing a part of your story as well. And my prayer is that as you hear the ways in which God has been speaking to us, God would also speak to you about your life individually, then also about who you are corporately. I don't know about you, but whenever I hear just amazing God stories that, that someone tells, there's usually a part of their, their story that makes my heart leap. It's not always every single detail, but sometimes there are like little um, moments and there are little glimmers, glimmers in there where my heart sort of moves, even if it's just a little bit. And usually that's an indicator that that part of their story 
reveals something about my own story. And so my prayer is that would happen to you today. Also, that as we're describing a little bit of our journey here to Manchester, you would see this corporate identity in a fresh way. So for the last 19 years, Delane and I have been planted in Hamilton, Alabama. And when you're somewhere for that long, it gets very familiar to you. And one of the most refreshing things that happens is when someone not from Hamilton comes to Hamilton and they begin to describe their own perception of Hamilton. Because all of a sudden you see your city with fresh eyes. You see your church with fresh eyes. You see what you're part of with fresh eyes and you go, wow, I, didn't, I, I, I sort of forgot that's who we are. Or I sort of forgot that's what God is using us to do or that's what I'm a part of. Just recently, George, who was just up here on base, uh, came to Hamilton a couple of months ago. And he, as he described his own experience in Hamilton, it gave me a fresh perspective, a fresh value. So that's my prayer is you would hear a part of your own story individually, but then also you would really begin to see even this place, the city of Manchester and Ramp Church Manchester, with fresh eyes. So I want to begin in the book of Acts and read just one verse there. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. Most of the message today will be storytelling, but I want to use this verse as a starting off point. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. And it's amazing because the book of Acts is a story, as most of the Bible is. I've come to think of the Bible less as a collection of just theological statements, and much more as a theologically annotated story. A story that's happening, and and then God's giving his commentary on what's happening. And so this whole story of the early church in the book of Acts is framed with this verse. Acts chapter 1, verse number 1. The writer Luke sets up the story like this. The former account, so he's referring to his own gospel, the gospel according to Luke, The former account I made, O Theophilus. So it sounds like he's addressing an individual person named Theophilus, but he's actually addressing all of us because the name Theophilus means God lover. And so he's saying this story is for everyone who is a God lover. And so I love the beginning there where he identifies his audience. The former account I made, O Theophilus. Of all that Jesus, and then notice the next word because it's the key word of the entire book of Acts. Of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. So what is Luke saying in the first verse of the book of Acts? He's saying the gospel I wrote that we refer to as the gospel according to Luke, that was not the end of Jesus' story. It was the beginning. The book of Acts is the continuation of his story. What Jesus did and taught in the Gospels, it's not the end of what Jesus did and taught. The book of Acts is a description of how Jesus is continuing to do and teach in the earth. And the conclusion we come to as we read Acts is the active ministry of the living Jesus happens through a spirit-led church. As the church of Jesus, as the disciples of Jesus are led by the Spirit, it is not just people who believe in Jesus acting and teaching in the earth. It is Jesus himself doing and teaching in the earth through his people by the Spirit. So how does that happen? How does Jesus stay active on the earth? 
when you read the book of the Acts, you realize that God leads his people by the Spirit in many ways. He does it through dreams. He does it through visions. He does it through this one avenue that feels a little weird to us because the terminology feels foreign. He does it through trances. When they're caught up in prayer and they are gripped by the Spirit and they see certain things. He does it through miracles. He does it through signs and wonders. I heard one pastor say it like this. What's the difference between signs and wonders? Well, signs are something that make you wonder. It's just what I call God happenings. They happen and you go, what does that mean? Well, that's a sign and a wonder because it's something that invites you in to God's conversation, to what God's doing. But many times the way in which God leads his people in the book of Acts is through what we would call the inward witness of the Holy Ghost. So there were times where the apostles would simply say this, that as we went to go do such and such, it seemed good to us and it seemed good to the Holy Ghost. In other words, there were times where they received a dream or a vision or a miracle or a prophetic word. They're in a prayer meeting and the Bible would say, and the Spirit said. How did the Spirit say it? Most likely someone heard it and released it in prayer. And that prophetic word became direction. But there were times where it just, as St. As Peter or St. Paul, as they pondered this decision, they just felt an agreement right here. They felt a release of the Spirit. And then there were times where St. Paul would say, I went to go such and su such, and such place, but the Spirit of God constrained us. Wouldn't let us do it. How did that happen? It could have been circumstantially doors were closed. Or it could have been that as they went to step out, they said, I, I don't know, guys. Something doesn't feel right. And that's not them being led by emotion. That is them being led by the inward witness of the Holy Ghost that says, I don't know, just it, it doesn't sit well with me. And so this story is going to include a combination of all the above. <laughs> Dreams, visions, prophetic words, God happenings, odd ponderings. And one thing that I believe that God wants us to learn today is that he, he is still a speaking God today. But he also wants us to learn how to hold prophetic storylines. Because it, it's very easy to receive a word from God and want to act on it immediately. And there are times and seasons where that is appropriate. That's what God's saying. I said this, now do it. But I found that most of the time when God speaks to you, the most appropriate response is to do what Mary did. What did Mary do when this crazy stuff happened regarding her brand new baby named Jesus? It said that Mary stored these things up in her heart. She didn't know what it meant. She didn't know what to do with it. But she could not deny that God was speaking, that God was at work. So what did she do? She made it a secret treasure between her and God. And she pondered it until a day of clarity and revelation came. And that is the perfect description of how Delane and I have lived, especially for the last two years in this prophetic journey. There are things that God was speaking to us undeniably but we had no idea what to do with them. So it's either act on it, throw it away, or ponder it in your heart and say, I don't know what this means and I don't know how to describe it and I feel a little crazy, but I can't deny that God's at work. And I want to encourage you that if you have that kind of prophetic history with God, the day of clarity comes, you just have to walk with him long enough for him to reveal it. Even Jesus God from the beginning, from Genesis 1-1, 
God was speaking about his son Jesus. But that revelation was concealed until the time, until the appropriate time for him, for the concealed revelation to become revealed revelation. And it's the same way in your journey with God. So there's so many starting points I could pick up. I almost have to just arbitrarily pick one. So let me go back to October 2017. Let me start there. And that, that introduces another storyline that is for another day. And I don't have time to fully unpack, but that, it's a pretty significant starting point. So in October of 2017, God began to do a deep work of knitting our heart to the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. Now that had to be a deep work because there were a lot of hurdles in me that had to be overcome. I had theological reserves, I had emotional reserves, I had personal preference reserves where I was, I was not asking God to do that work. He interrupted me and did that work without asking my consent. All right, it, it, it became something that he apprehended me over. And again, that story is for another day, but it's important for this moment in Manchester and why we're here. So that began in October of 2017, and it began to grow in our hearts all throughout 2018 and into the beginning of 2019. That journey led us to a trip in May of 2019 where we go to New York City, we're there and we're part of some ministry things and we're also taking some time to enjoy the city, see Lion King on Broadway and all that kind of stuff, you know. And so we're there in the city and as we're there, God really begins to speak to us, especially to Delena, about a, 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 an assignment that is larger than we had previously considered for our lives about joining God's global story. Now, just because we're part of the ramp, we'd always had a global sense to our lives. You know, the ramp has that, has that within its DNA and, and prayer and intercession and nations. And Lord, we want to think larger than just the community that we're a part of. But in May of 2019, again, it wasn't necessarily a dream or a vision. It was that inward witness to say, while we're on this trip, God is doing something in us that is enlarging our capacity in some way, and we're not sure what that looks like. I mean, it was so significant to us when we got back to Hamilton, we had a meeting at our house with Pastor Karen, and we said, we don't know what this looks like. We know we're in this role of pastoring Ramp Church in Hamilton, but there's some kind of global call, and we're not sure what it looks like. She said, I don't know what it looks like either. Let's continue to pray about it. Well, just a couple of months later, in July of 2019, we had a friend leader that visited Ramp Church in Hamilton and ministered prophetically to our whole leadership team. And she, the first thing she started with was prophesying over me and Delena, and she said, God is going to give you a global groan, but your assignment is here in Hamilton. It's gonna be hard to manage the two. And so from that moment on, it really, became, it really gave language to what we sensed, where it's like in the place of prayer, in the place of dreams and visions, in the place of even the word, there was this global groan regarding Israel and the nations that begin to really swell on the inside of us. But again, the practical application really didn't come forth for quite some time. Now fast forward from July of 2019 to September of 2019, and I have this very significant weekend where I have two dreams back to back on a Friday night and a Saturday night. 
Now, some dreams are like, you know, they're, they're dreams. You wake up, and as you're getting out of the fog of waking up, you're like, eh, I think I had a dream last night. What was that? Was that pizza? Was that God? Maybe I could, you know, identify some symbolism. There are those kind of dreams. And then some dreams you have after you wake up, you're like, that was pretty clear. I'm pretty sure that was a word from God. I see it through a biblical lens, and I think God is, is whispering some things to me. Then there are other dreams that, boom, they, you don't wake up to them. They wake you up. And you wake up aware of God, wake up aware that his voice is in the room and regardless of what time it is you have a responsibility to get up and write it down and ponder it even if you don't have the initial application and that's what I had in September of 2019 boom boom two nights in a row those wake you up in the early morning hours type of dreams the first one had to do with Israel and part of our assignment, part of our call there, again, that story's for another day. The second dream confused me because it seemed to be speaking in a different direction. First dream was Israel-focused. The second dream, I knew clearly that Delena and I were supposed to move to Manchester for one to two years. It was a very odd dream. I didn't know what to do with it. And dreams are tricky because you can't always take them at face value. There's a lot of symbolism. There's a lot of metaphor. There's a lot of um, things about dreams that, you know, even in the Bible, the way they interpreted dreams was they, they used the imagery to describe a message. When Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream, you know, it wasn't, well, God's telling you to go buy seven cows that are really fat so they can eat all of your skinny ones. That was not the application. The application was seven fat cows equaled seven years of plenty. Seven skinny cows were seven years of famine. And so that's just the way dreams work. So I woke up and I thought, you know, one to two years in Manchester, that can't be what it's saying. So what does it mean? Well, just a couple of weeks after that, I met with Pastor Andy Elms. Many of you know him from Portsmouth, England, a dear friend of ours, dear friend of the ramp. And he comes to Hamilton, and so I'm sitting together. I said, Pastor Andy, I had a couple of just crazy dreams. So I tell him the dreams, and he just sits there, and he kind of puts his glasses down, and he looks at me. And he goes, I think I know what the dreams mean. And he puts out three items on the table. And he says, this item, he puts them in a row. He says, this item is right now. This is Hamilton. This item is next. It's mid-range in the future. It's Manchester. This one is far away. It's Israel. I believe God's speaking to you about your assignment. And I thought to myself, ah, Pastor Andy, I love you. But I don't know that that's the interpretation. You know, I've got to weigh that a little bit in my spirit. So what was surprising is, Literally a few weeks after I had that dream, I end up unexpectedly in Manchester, 2019. Because Miss Karen, Pastor Karen, was scheduled to, scheduled to be here for the autumn conference, but she had some health things in, in her, with her back. And so she met with me and said, hey, can you go to Manchester for me like in two days? Whoa! And so I, so I come in October of 2019, I come again in March of 2020, and I'm thinking, okay, that's the application of the dream. God is just saying, invest more to Manchester, invest more into your relationship with Joe and Stacy. By the way, footnote, I was here, I was in England, March of 2020, when lockdown begins, all right? So everyone's calling me from the States going, are you stuck in the United Kingdom? And I said, no, you know, they're letting the Americans home. So anyway, it's just a wild experience. <clears throat> so we get through that. And so that, again, we just sort of held that all throughout, you know, 
2019, 2020, we're praying, we're pondering. Israel, England, that's a metaphor, obviously. But nations, what does this mean? Well, in June of 2020, I have one of the most significant God encounter dreams I have ever had. It really shapes a lot of my life and my paradigm now. In June of 2020, I had this dream. It wakes me up in the middle of the night. And it is a dream where God is calling me to be a watchman. That's a whole other story. I can't get into that storyline at the moment either. You can tell there are a lot of stories happening here. You're like, how many stories does he have? It's just a lot going on, okay? So the, so the watch, this call of being a watchman, and I, and I knew this out of the book of Ezekiel, and I began to just really invest my life into studying the book of Ezekiel and what it looks like to be a watchman. So that happened in June of 2020, this call of prayer and intercession, it began to apprehend me and characterize a lot of my worldview. So fast forward then to June of 2021, so we're getting closer now to 2022 and this moment. So fast forward to June of 2021, I don't know how else to describe it other than the inward witness. Delana and I, we are you know, fulfilling our responsibilities, pastoring Ramp Church in Hamilton, and we just start to feel unsettled. You know, as we were processing this not too long ago, Pastor Joe recommended we go back and listen to one of his messages here at Ramp Church Manchester about transition and the five stages of that, what that looks like. And he described so perfectly what we felt, that sense of feeling just unsettled. Something's just not fitting. We just feel out of rhythm. And we're not just now groaning in prayer, fulfilling our responsibilities. We now just feel out of rhythm. and We can't get any traction where we are. You know, we have wonderful relationships. We, we, we have this, you know, I, I can't describe it. Well, the Lord then began to speak to us out of John chapter 5, where it says that Jesus troubled the waters, or the angel would come and trouble the waters in the pool of Bethesda, and whoever got in was healed. The Lord began to speak to us, I'm the one troubling the waters right now. Because many times when you feel unsettled, you immediately start thinking, what is the devil doing? Or what are my emotions doing? And I just need to plow through this. And God began to speak to us within our hearts, no, this is not something to plow through. This is something to pay attention to. I'm the one stirring things up. I'm the one making you feel unsettled. I'm the one getting you out of rhythm. So God speaks that to us in June of 2021. So I'm talking about every day we are leaning in and listening to God. I mean, we're praying. We're fasting. We're listening. We're, Lord, speak to us. And June, July. August, September. Now, it's easy to say those months very quickly right now, but when you are every day feeling agitated and feeling out of rhythm, that feels like an eternity. You are just stretched and you're listening. And Lord, you're the one who made us unsettled, so you've got to have our answers. And it's like he's not saying anything. He would say a few things. I, I can't say that he wouldn't say anything. He would say things that only made our journey more confusing. Okay, he would speak over here, and we're like, okay, okay. Then he'd speak over here, we're like, God, those two things don't reconcile. Then he would speak over here, we're like, and so the only language we, we had for what God was saying to us is, 
we feel like we have a lot of puzzle pieces. And we're processing this whole journey with Joe and Stacy over Zoom. You know, every couple of weeks, we're like, guys, we're, you know, I don't know what their problems were because we were just dumping all of our problems on them for months. Like, guys, we're in distress. We feel unsettled. What is God doing? What is God speaking? So we're just in this stretching place. So we receive a, a prophetic word, not personally, just a prophetic voice who released it in the beginning of October that said this, but we really took it as our own. It really bore witness with us. This voice said, within a week, many of you are asking God for answers and you have a lot of puzzle pieces, but within this week, God is gonna bring all the puzzle pieces together and you're gonna see the big picture. And we were like full of faith, like this is it. This is the week we're hearing from God, all right? Furthermore, we had a ministry trip scheduled to Ohio, you know, which is quite a distance from us in Alabama. So we thought, okay, this is going to be great. We're going into a different context out of our normal responsibilities. Give us an opportunity to hear from God in a fresh way. So we go to Ohio. Well, we're ministering in a church, and the pastors give us a couple of prophetic words, but are honestly just more like puzzle pieces. We get back from Ohio. We get to, that, the, to the end of that week, and we are distraught. Because we didn't see the big picture. And we're like, God, you're the one who said it. And, you know, we're trying to get ready for our ramp church service that Sunday evening. That's when we have our weekly service. And Delaney said, I don't feel bad for being frustrated anymore. Because God's the one who did this to us. So if he wants to chill us out, he's got to say something to us. So that's where we felt. We were just, you know, so we go and we got to, like, cram down all the emotions to, like, go pastor a church. So we do that. So Monday rolls around. And we're just unloading our emotions to Joe and Stacy. We're like, God, guys, we were supposed to hear from God this past week. We didn't. We're frustrated. And so we're just pouring out our hearts. And so Joe responds in a way that's not super uncharacteristic for Joe. Joe says, well, guys, I think you should just move to Manchester. <laughs> well, I mean, every three months, Joe gives us that feedback. We're like, oh, okay, Joe. We get it, move to Manchester. Joe's giving us the, the, you know, the Manchester spiel again. He goes, I think you guys should move to Manchester. And then he kind of is laughing. He goes, no, seriously, you're supposed to move to Manchester. And begins to speak to us almost like in this like prophetic sense about this watchman call and this preparation for Israel call and how important it will be to prepare for an international assignment. And you guys feel this global groan and Manchester is the next step and Manchester will send you globally. And it was like as we're sitting there, me and Delaney are like, wait a minute, what is he doing? And even Stacy, at the end of his spiel, it's like almost he didn't know what he was doing. He got done and it was like, Almost like, what did I just say? And Stacey went, wait, you're serious right now, like that. And we're all just like, okay. That was kind of weird. As soon as that happened, Delana goes, oh, wait a minute. I just remembered I had a dream last night. And in the dream, I suddenly realized I was pregnant and I had 24 hours to give birth. And it gave us this sense, okay, this is bizarre. God, do you want to say something within the next 24 hours? Is there something you want to birth within us, through us in the next 24 hours? So we got off the Zoom, and I don't know how to describe it, but my spirit man just felt strong the rest of the day. I, you know, most of the time when you fast, it is like, I'm crucifying flesh. I'm famished. I got headaches. Why do I have to eat so much? It's terrible. But every now and then you hit this little tiny moment in fasting where your spirit man is like in control, and you're like, I could do this forever. Why don't I fast more? You know, that, 
And that's the way it felt. It felt like I was in like that sweet spot of fasting, though I wasn't fasting. And it was like, man, I feel like my spirit man is raging right now. Like I can't stop praying in the spirit. Like I'm greeting people in tongues. I'm like, hey, you know, that's the way I felt. And I was like, Lord, what is this? I'm like, surely, surely you're not confirming what Joe said. Surely you're not like through all of this saying, yes, it's Manchester, idiot. Like surely it's not what you're saying. And so anyway, so, you know, we get through that moment. And, but I had this, like, memory pop up that someone on our team the summer before had given me a word about Manchester. But honestly, I didn't remember the details. I knew I had written it down in a journal, but I, I write down everything in a journal. So it's like, it's going to take me forever to find that. So I, was, I just emailed her. She's our, her and her husband, they're our, uh, part of our youth pastor's team for what we in the States call our middle school. So they're, they're pastoring, you know, some of our students within Ramp Church. So I just sent her an email, and her name is Shiloh. I said, hey, Shiloh, I think you gave me a word about Manchester last summer. You know, do you remember what that is? Um, you know, I don't want to spend hours looking through journals. So she said uh, nothing at first. So I go out through the rest of the day, and I'm just praying. I go to sleep that night, and then Tuesday morning, October 12th, Boom, I am awakened with a God encounter dream that is so vivid and so real, I'm like, I, I know I have to get up. And I'm trying to discern whether or not to share the details of it, because I guess I need to. Is, that, does it, is it needed to make sense? Okay, I'll share the details. And the reason I'm hesitant, the reason I'm hesitant is because sometimes in dream language, God speaks your language. That's something to know about the voice of God. Is if I share the details, I, I hope they make sense because they make sense to me. And, and I hope it translates because I love what one of our friends in ministry, his name is Lou Engel, says, God has studied your journals and he knows your language. And when God speaks to you, it will many times be in a way that resonates with you that it may not resonate with everyone else. But God both expects you to learn his language, but God has also come down to learn your language. That's what happened on Acts chapter 2. God, what does he do through the early church? He immediately packages the gospel in a way that everyone can hear it in their own language. Because God knows how to speak your language. And so this dream is about God speaking my language. So I wake from this dream. It's a two-part dream. And then the third part happens after I wake up. So the two-part dream is I'm asleep, and I'm seeing one of our friends, one of our leaders in Hamilton. His name is Josh. And he leads a lot of our prayer and intercession um, spaces there in Hamilton. He's the director over our school of ministry. He's a very, very, very close friend of mine. In the dream, he is leading a prayer meeting, like a watch, what we call a watch night prayer meeting, like an all night prayer meeting. And I'm with him on the platform and I keep bumping into him as he's leading prayer. And I know in the dream what's on him, the reason I'm bumping into him, what's on him needs to rub off and get on me a little bit more. Like this watchman prayer, intercession, Reese Howells, for those of you that know that name, it's very significant to us. What's on him needs to get on me a little bit more, leading prayer spaces and just like really diving in to this world. So then after that happens, I think that I wake up, but I'm actually still in the dream. So I think that I wake up and when I open my eyes, it didn't seem weird to me at the time, but now it seems weird when I say it. Our bedroom was no longer in our bedroom. Our bedroom was in a large barn. 
but it didn't seem weird to me. And I'm, I'm asleep, and I'm waking up in this barn, and I look over, and Pastor Josh, I'm going to imitate him. For those of you that know him, you'll see it. Um, but Pastor Josh walks into our bedroom slash barn, and he's just standing there doing this. And I'm aware it's like 4 a.m. or 5 a.m. And I'm like, why is Josh in my bedroom right now? This is very bizarre. And I know he's telling me I'm a sign from God, get up and pray, go be a watchman. And he's just doing this. And honestly, I'm so sleepy. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to get up. Can Josh just tell me what the message is? Like, I really don't want to wake up this early. Can Josh just tell me what you want to tell me if I were to get up and pray? Can he just say it? So I'm, I'm like looking at him, and he's just smiling. Then all of a sudden, he grabs this plastic tray that we use in, a, in America to hold nacho cheese. So what that is, is when you go to a sports game in America, you go to the concession stand, they give you really cheap, really nasty cheese sauce with chips, okay? And it's like they squirt the cheese in this container. It makes a sound. It goes when you squirt it. And it's just all of these chips in there, and you eat it. We do it at, you know, the kids' basketball games and things like that. So he's there, and he looks at me, he's smiling, and he holds out one of those plastic trays, and he squirts this nacho cheese into the tray. And he's looking at me like this, smiling, as though to say, this is the sign. This is the word from God. And I'm thinking to myself, Josh, please stop being so mystical right now. I just need you to tell me what it is. Like, what does this mean? And if you know Josh, that totally makes sense. He loves to be mystical. He loves to make it more difficult for you to understand because it invites you to lean in and pray, okay? So he's being very mystical, and I'm like, Josh, please just tell me what it is explicitly. So finally, he's holding the nacho cheese tray, and he holds up his hand, and he says this, watch with the cheese and the wine, then all of a sudden in my mind, I no longer see a nacho cheese tray. I now see like a very sophisticated cheese and wine setup, like almost like a European context, something that is not very Hamilton at all. It is much more native to this region in, in Europe. And so I, I see that in my mind's eye, a cheese and wine setup. And then I wake up and I'm very much awake and I know I have no idea what these dreams mean but I know I need to go write them down and be a watchman right now. Go listen to the Lord. So I go and I write down these dreams, and I'm pondering them. Okay, call to pray, cheese and wine. What does all this mean? Well, as I'm pondering that, all of a sudden I think to myself, oh, I wonder if Shiloh ever responded to my email asking about the word from Manchester, about Manchester. Let me check my email. I pull up my email, and when I do, boom, I realize Shiloh had responded the night before, but it was after I'd gone to bed, so I'd not seen it yet. And she says, yes, Pastor Micah, of course I remember that word that I gave you. It was in the summer of 2020. 2020, no, 2021. No, 2020, yeah. It was in the summer of 2020. And she says, here is the, the word that I received. We were in the middle of worship, and I looked up on the platform, and I see you and Delena. God speaks to me and says, Micah and Delena are going to Manchester. She said, so I wrote it down in my journal during worship because I wanted to make sure I was writing down specifically what God said. So as I'm writing down, Micah and Delena are going to Manchester, I accidentally wrote down, Micah and Delena are going to Israel. She said, when I wrote that down and reread it, I thought to myself, God, 
why did I write down Micah and Delana are going to Israel? I'm not, I'm not thinking about Israel right now. I heard you say Micah and Delana are going to Manchester. She said, and then the Lord spoke to me and said, it's because Manchester will send them to Israel. And she begins to quote verbatim what Joe had said the day before on Zoom, that our season in Manchester would be preparation for our global assignment, especially in Israel. When I read her email and realized that what Joe had said the day before, God had already said over a year before, it grips me and I double over and I begin to weep and then all of a sudden I realize the interpretation of the dream that morning. We are in the barn with nacho cheese and Josh is there as a watchman because that represented our season in Hamilton being watchmen. If you don't know Hamilton, Alabama, it's a very rural environment, very barn, very agriculture, very nacho cheese, all right? I don't say that derogatory, I just, I'm just saying what it is. Very nacho cheese. And the Lord's saying, you've been a watchman here, now go be a watchman in that context of the cheese and wine. Go to Manchester, go to England, go to a place that may be unfamiliar to you, but go do there what I've called you to do here, which is to be a friend of God in a place of prayer and intercession and let your roots grow deep in that soil so you can be prepared for what I've called you to do, all right? So Delaney's version of this story is that morning, October 12th, she wakes up to get the kids ready for school, and when she opens her eyes, I'm hovering over her with this look on my face going, hey, I don't mean to startle you, but I just heard from God. We've got a lot to talk about. And she's like, what? You know, because I had been up for a couple of hours at that point, processing all of this, and all of a sudden I realized as we begin to discuss it, oh, the dream I had in September of 2019. It wasn't a metaphor. Sometimes God actually means what he actually says. And what he said was that, Go to Manchester for one to two years because what he meant was go to Manchester for one to two years. All of a sudden I see Pastor Andy looking over the rim of his glasses going, I told you so. <laughs> because it's Hamilton, Manchester, Israel. And we don't, have, we don't know what you know, Israel exactly means. We don't know if that means launching a ramp. We, have, we don't know what that means. We just know that God said go to Manchester. After we heard this from the Lord, of course, we immediately meet with Pastor Karen and we begin to pray through it consider it. We don't tell anyone, all right? I mean, it's a while before we told Laura, because we know she's coming to Manchester, and there's a lot going on, and Lord, we're going to ponder this in our heart. So we ponder that in our hearts, and as we do without telling anyone, God begins to confirm it again and again and again and again in unusual ways. And I'll just tell you three specific ways God confirmed it. Then I'll hand this back over to uh, Pastor Joe or Stacy. And so um, right after we, we begin to feel this swirl, a friend of ours that's also on staff at the Ramp School of Ministry, she has several dreams, actually seven specific dreams. Before she knew the news about us going to Manchester, she had seven specific dreams that confirmed this. The first dream that she had, she simply hears a voice that says this, remember, it's Manchester first, then Israel. And she asked the voice, but what does that mean? And the voice just simply repeats, remember, it's Manchester first, then Israel. What in the world? She has a dream shortly after that. And in the dream, she is in Manchester with Joe and Stacy. And while she's here, Joe and Stacy begin to build a bridge to Israel. 
And after they get done building the bridge, it only takes them 15 minutes to walk across the bridge. When they arrive in Israel, they don't just arrive in Israel, they, were, they arrive in the city of Jerusalem. When they arrive in Jerusalem, there's a large building there that says the ramp on it. And as she's standing there with Joe and Stacy, and she sees this building with the ramp on it in Jerusalem, Delana and I walk up, Joe and Stacy turn to us and say, this is the building, it's yours now. That dream shocked us because she had no idea what God had been speaking to us about a season in Manchester that was preparation for Israel, whatever that looks like. One more story. This is one of my favorite stories because it's so bizarre. And again, it's one of those signs that make you wonder. We were at a ramp church service on a Sunday night, and we do our pre-service prayer together, much like you guys do here in the mornings, a time of prayer and worship, but, you know, to just prepare our hearts, prepare the room, prepare the atmosphere before we begin service officially. And so we were doing that, and there was a young man who is serving on our worship team. His name is Jeremiah. Well, he came up to me after the service. He said, hey, Pastor Micah, he's a real young guy. He said, Pastor Micah, I feel a little weird because God spoke to me something during pre-service prayer for you. He goes, but I don't really know what it means. And can I encourage you on something? If God doesn't tell you what you heard, if God doesn't give you the meaning of what you heard, don't let it stop you from leasing what you heard. Because many times what you heard means something to someone, even if it doesn't mean something to you. And sometimes it's even more powerful when God doesn't give you the meaning. Because it confirms to that person that only God could have said that. All right? So Jeremiah comes up and he says, hey, I heard this word. It's kind of weird. He said, but during, during the service, I heard God say to me, look up the nursery rhyme, London Bridge is Falling Down. He said, so I looked it up. And he said, and I didn't know it had more than one stanza, but when I got to the last stanza, it really gripped my heart, and I feel like it's a word from you, for you, and somehow I feel like it's connected to Manchester. Now, just remember, no, hardly anyone knows about what we heard on October 12th about go to Manchester, it'll prepare you for Israel. Hardly anyone would know that, the watchman assignment, all that stuff. No one knew that, just a very, very small crew. Jeremiah certainly didn't know that. So he says, I heard this nursery of London Bridge is falling, falling down, and then I read through it. I knew it was a word for you in Manchester somehow. He said, when I got to the last stanza, here's what it says. Now, again, I didn't know I had more than one stanza. I just thought it was what it was. Gets to the last stanza, here's what it says. Send a man to watch all night, watch all night, watch all night. Send a man to watch all night, my fair lady. And when I heard that, I just thought to myself, God, you could not be any more clear. Because Jeremiah goes, I don't know what that means. It's somehow a word for you in Manchester. So there, I hope it means something to you. It wasn't until months later, I was like, hey, Jeremiah. We were in a team, a meeting with the worship team. I was like, Jeremiah, do you remember that word you gave me? What well, was major confirmation? Go to Manchester, go to England. So that's a little bit of the story. We are coming in, as Pastor Joe said, I watched the service online where he initially announced us coming to Manchester. We are coming in with a posture of learning to say, Lord, this whole international context, it is so new to us. We, we, we really don't know what's going on. We're trying to figure out how to, you know, how to buy meals right now. You know, so, so we're learning things practically. We're here, to learn, we're here to learn from you spiritually. Someone gave me a word just a few weeks ago. 
And in that word, she said, you know, my husband's father is in agriculture. He, he has a history of vineyards. And he will tell you that different soils produce different kinds of vintage, different kinds of wines. And if you want the wine to taste different, sometimes you have to cultivate the vineyard in a different soil. And she said, I see about you and your family, especially your kids, that you need the soil of Manchester. There's something about Manchester that's going to unlock something you need for your assignment. So we're coming in with a posture to embrace, to receive, to learn from you, because something you're carrying is needed for the nations. Something you're carrying is needed for the global assignment that God has for you, and we're simply honored to be here and be a part of it. So that's a little bit of my story, and I suppose I'm sticking to it. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Pastor Micah and Delena. Oh, I'm just so thankful for the example of their courage and their faith to us in this season, right? And it's one thing to move your family across the ocean in a call, but to, to do that when you don't know exactly what you're going to be doing, a lot of the practicals, it is really that walk of faith. But then to have a word for one to two years where you know you're going to also then a couple years later potentially be packing up and going somewhere else, that comes with a special and a unique kind of cost. You know, and we're, I, love, I love the words of Paul where he says, encourage each other daily. And this to me is such an encouragement for us to lean in and hear what is God saying to you individually about your part in this great storyline? You know, one of the narratives that the enemy always, I think, wants to just kind of play, play that card when he can is, is that, well, the Americans are the missionaries and you guys are the nationals. And that's not a biblical kingdom narrative. You could be born here. You're, I mean, whoever you are, if you're sent as a believer, as a son of God, you are called to that missional life. Absolutely. That's why like being a missionary, it's not like one of the fivefold. It's, it's relevant to every believer to go and make disciples, to be willing to go wherever he sends us, be it to the next door neighbor or to somewhere overseas, our whole life revolving around that mission. And I feel challenged for us to, as a community, to really say yes to all of us, seeing our lives through the lens of we are in this city, in this nation, and on this continent because we're here to simply agree with the will of God in prayer and intercession and through our actions release taste of his goodness and his glory. In the simple words of the apostles, to do good, to pray and intercede and then to go about doing good among the people giving them glimpses of the kingdom that they're called to be a part of. And no matter what season of life, whether you're a new mom or a university student or a new job or high up on a career path, there is never a season of your life where giving all to follow Jesus does not apply. There's never a season of your life. It will look different in different ways and different seasons, but there's never a season where you just kind of check out and ride on people's coattails into glory. Discipleship, wholehearted love. 
wholehearted devotion, keeping his kingdom first, seeking his kingdom first, is every season of your life. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you and show you how that looks. It's relevant to all of us. So let's just stand to our feet.